This episode is sponsored by State Farm. You a small business owner looking for insurance that fits your needs and budget? Well, look no further than State Farm. State Farm agents are not just insurance providers, they're also small business owners who live and work right here in your community. They understand the unique challenges of running and protecting a small business. When it comes to small business insurance, State Farm knows what it takes. Create a plan that fits your needs and your budget. State Farm agents are ready to help you choose personalized policies that truly understand your business. Ensure your small business with a fellow small business owner. Talk to a State Farm agent today and get started on personalized small business insurance that fits your needs. Like a good neighbor, State Farm is there. Talk to your local agent today. Pre-recorded from Joe's mom's basement, welcome to another Rewind episode of The Stacking Benjamin Show. Hey everyone, I'm Griffin the Intern, or as my Xbox profile reads, The Fintern. Happy Independence Day weekend to all my U.S. listeners, and all you other former British colonies can feel free to party with us too. Everyone else, I'll just say happy Friday. Well, I must have really missed the basement, because I haven't made a complaint all week. I guess anything can grow on you with enough time. But don't you worry, I'm not getting negative on my last day here, at least not about the basement anyway. I can't exactly say today's roundtable topic will be all good news and daisies, but I'll let you decide that for yourself. Today's roundtable topic and the name of today's show is, Do You Need a Stock Market Exit Plan? This roundtable episode features Len Penzo and Paula Pant squaring off with their own thoughts, and it makes for a great listen. While new listeners will be used to our single headline, long topic format, this was a step in a new direction back in 2016, and the gang really got into it. Alright stackers, that's it for this week of Rewinds. I've had a blast. Coming to you on Monday, we all know about George Washington as a heroic revolutionary general and president, but how often do we hear about George Washington, the entrepreneur? Next week, we'll kick off our new shows with a look at how the Founding Fathers stacked his Benjamins. Thanks again for enjoying another great week of Rewind shows with me, and remember to disregard any investment advice or giveaways. The guys are back Monday, and I'll have more Greatest Hits eight weeks from now. Fintern out. Hi, this is Kelly from Detroit, Michigan, and when I'm not changing diapers, and no, not mine, I'm stacking Benjamins. Live from the hub of all things podcast, it's The Stacking Benjamin Show. I'm Joe's mom's neighbor, Doug, and we're back with another fantastic roundtable show. On the horn, as my grandpa used to say, from LenPenzo.com, it's Sir Walter Raleigh. I'm just kidding, it's Len Penzo. And from that Afford Anything blog and podcast, Paula Pant. And here he is, the guy who was just walking around the basement asking everybody if they'd seen his phone while he was talking on his phone. It's Joe Saul Siha. I can't tell you how many times I've done that. It's absolutely horrible. And you know you're tired when you do that too. Hey everybody, I'm Joe Salcihi, Average Joe Money on Twitter. And man, do we have a great show for you today. Doug didn't mention these guys, but we have another great fintech product for you today at the halfway point called Lemon. And I think you're going to like that. Uh, and once again, we don't endorse these products, but we love to shine a spotlight on as many different fintech cool things going on as possible. You know, for us money nerds, more toys equals... Uh, equals better toys, doesn't it? I'd like to say big thanks to everybody who went to stackybenjamins.com forward slash magnify money because, and actually, why am I saying thanks? You're going to thank yourself when you go to magnify money. You know why? Because that checking account you have, not as good as it could be, the savings account could be a lot better, and that debt strategy might need to be better defined. And when you're doing that, you want to go to the place that compares more tools than any other and that's magnified money so head to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money save yourself on average 450 dollars as you're making changes all right big show today we've got len penzo paula pant and lemon at the halfway mark so let's do this All 
right, let's walk across the room here and fire up my dead shortwave, see if we can get the greatest minds in financial writing. Why do I start laughing when I say that? Paula Pant, you're out in the desert. Why do I start laughing when I start talking about you guys as the greatest minds? The idea of me being one of the greatest minds is so laughable. You literally can't say it with a straight face, <laughs> even though you've had years of practice. I don't know about that because I read your stuff and I always think brilliant. I feel like when I read your stuff, Paula, I'm like this uh -huh. waitress I had when we were in Scotland. Everything we ordered, everything we did was brilliant. My daughter said she wanted <laughs> macaroni and cheese and she said, brilliant. I'm like, I never felt so oh, awesome. You, you flatter me, but Joe, I'm afraid that you uh, you have low standards. You've set the bar I, a little too low. I don't know, because if I had low standards, I say that that guy in Los Angeles, California was brilliant. That's the one and only Len Penzo. Yeah, but you better not say that, Joe. <laughs> hey, when you were in Scotland, did they have the, uh, did you try the haggis? I did not. No, and I should have, just to say you I did. If you had it, did you have it? No. <laughs> <laughs> So that's two of us. And I still but haven't I had fried bologna. The, I will try the mac and cheese next time I'm there. Mm. Yeah, Swiss macaroni and cheese tastes a lot different. Probably because it's mixed with haggis. No, I don't know. Yeah. I, I really, Wait a minute. Did you say Switzerland or Scotland? Uh, Scotland. And I said Swiss, didn't I? <laughs> I was just seeing if you're okay. paying attention. Okay, very good. Speaking of that, guys, it's just the three of us. It's a cozy little roundtable tonight. So let's move. Let's start off at Kiplinger, where our friend Janet Bodnar writes... What investors should do in today's market? You know, we're reading all kinds of stuff, Paula Pant, about just how horrible the market's about to be, right? Everybody says, ooh, things are going to be bad. We got an election coming up. We got all these doom and gloom statistics. Uh, not Brexit. Yeah, yeah, we had Brexit. Uh, it just, not breakfast. We had Brexit. So uh, Can't we have breakfast? What? It, mm, maybe a little bit of both, Brexit and breakfast. So mm. wh what do you think? What do we do now? Oh, you know what? Every time that you, you pass me one of these stories that relates to market timing, you know what? Actually, Joe, let me just interview you because I've said this so much on previous episodes <laughs> that you know you know what the next thing out of my mouth is going to be. <laughs> Joe, what does Paula think that we should do? Absolutely nothing. Uh, and the uh, the strategy for that begins with the letter D I and would... rhymes with smaller Ursify? Ends with Ursify? Oh, dollar cost average. I thought you were going to say Ursify. Diversify. Oh. Yeah. Ah, yeah, that's a thing, too. Buy an index oh. fund, hold, ladies and gentlemen, Paula Pant's entire argument. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You know what? I'm just going to program a robot to sit in on this podcast for me. <laughs> but it is true. There's, I mean, you know, Janet points out some good things. Interest rates continue to plummet. In, uh, increasing chances that long-term bonds will be highly vulnerable to an eventual rise in rates, she says. Stocks, the obvious alternative, at risk of their own with a jittery bull market susceptible to shocks such as the Brexit particularly worrisome are high dividend stocks like utilities whose prices have been pushed up by income starved investors, right? If bonds are doing nothing. So now they're worried. There's a lot of worry here. I mean, I guess if you're really that not into it, you could always invest in real estate. You could always buy rental properties. But I know that many of the people who are listening to this, uh, typically a person's attitude about rental properties is heck yeah, or eh eh. So, you know, the people who are inclined to go that route, are probably already learning about it and and possibly you know getting their feet wet, and the people who are not going to do it, you know, it's it's not for everyone. So, um, yeah, just just stay in. Don't try to time the market. Continue to m invest in a way that is appropriate to your age and your timeline to retirement, and your risk tolerance, and continue to do that every month, regardless of what's happening in the outside world. And then turn off the TV and go do something else with your time. That's so annoyingly level-headed. I try, Joe. Uh, Len, you know what's funny is I like what Paula's saying about rental property because, you know, when somebody buys a piece of property, they don't look at the price except when they're getting ready to sell, right? And they only sell when they need the money or they think there's a huge opportunity. With stocks, it's something totally different. We look at the price every day. Yeah, isn't America a funny place? Is people look at stocks and basically they say, oh, if the stock's going up, it's a good buy. And if the stock's going down, it's a bad buy. And they don't look at the fundamentals whatsoever. So... All the doom and gloom you were talking, it was music to my ears, actually, when you were singing, when you were talking there just a little <laughs> bit ago, Joe. I, I, didn't, I was surprised you didn't hear me uh, just uh, moaning in pleasure there while you were while you were talking about all that stuff. While you're um, saying, told you so? <laughs> it's about to finally happen, 
You've been talking about it for Uh-oh. so long. Len is going to suggest that we put everything in gold. Uh, not everything, no. But what I will, what I will recommend, uh, I do see two things that are extremely, which should scare anybody. Bonds are in a 35-year bull market. If you take a look at the last time bonds bottomed, which was like around 1980, which coincidentally was the last time gold was just went through parabolic through the roof, and it was $850 an ounce. It has fallen consistently. Actually, the price of bonds have gone up. The yields have dropped consistently since then. I think bonds are in for some big trouble here eventually. Maybe not in the near future here, but very soon. So precious metals to me is a safe haven investment, just like bonds. My one recommendation, and and again, this is just me. This is what I, I do. Take some of that bond allocation and move it to precious metals. That's what my recommendation would be. Don't put all your money in precious metals. No, that's not what I'm saying. But most people just don't even consider precious metals. And I think it's fair and reasonable to suggest taking some of your bond investments right now and converting some of them to precious metals. And that's all I'm saying. And I think that is a level-headed approach, even for the, the most crazy doom and gloomers like me. Len, I can't hear you say the word precious without thinking of like a cartoon <laughs> villain scratching Gollum. a cat going like, my precious. Right, like Gollum, right. No, but but I, but Joe, I mean, am I am I wrong there to say that? Am I really being, is that a freaky, I mean, I don't think that's freaky to, to suggest something like that. Do you? Maybe you do think I'm freaky. <laughs> freaky is a very unusual adjective for this conversation. I was going to say, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, it is isn't unusual for our show, though, Paula. Stacking some freaky Benjamins. I do like this this piece of the puzzle, Paula, which is at the end of Janet's article, she says, the risk factor, before you make any move, it's critical to know how much risk you can handle. And I like that because people consider the risk of staying in, but they don't consider the risk of getting out, which I think is a way worse risk when the market starts shaking. Ah, so are you referring to the risk of opportunity cost, missing opportunity on a rebound? Is that what you mean? Well, I'm talking about when you get out of the market, you have to be right twice. You have to guess that today's the day that the market's going to go down. And then you have to bet against the market from then on out, right? Which, as we all know, the market goes up 70% of the time. So that's not going to work. And then... On the other side, let's say you call that one right, then you got to call the right day when the market's actually going to come back up. And that's a bear on, I mean, mean, who's going to be, maybe you're right once, but I'm not sure you're going to be right twice. Hey, that's why you have to be proactive and not reactive. (laughs) And the best way to be proactive is how? Have an exit strategy for all of your investments. So when things do start going sideways or down, backwards, whatever, you're not panicked and you already have thought about what you're going to do ahead of time. Because I think what most people do is they'll panic and make a wrong decision if they don't think about this, these things ahead of time. So, But the thing is ordinary. See, I, I would dis, I would disagree, Len. I say you would disagree about not having an exit strategy. Yeah. Yeah. I, I, wow. I would say okay. don't Let's have an exit it. strategy. Interesting. Um, if you rebalance your portfolio once a year or, you know, you can do it every six months, you know, pick some predetermined period of time irrespective of of what's happening in the overall world and rebalance your portfolio. By doing so, you will naturally harvest some gains and pick up some undervalued assets. If your timeline is long enough. But not everybody's as young as you, Paula. Some some of us oldsters here don't have a long timeline. Hey, 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 oldster, uh, you would still be (laughs) rebalancing. I mean, even when you're 70, you're still rebalancing your portfolio. You don't, like, retire and then cash out 100% of your portfolio on the day you turn 65. Nobody nobody cashes out 100%. But what what I'm saying is you have to just – you don't know how long it takes for, you know – that's why your asset your allocation losses. reflects that. So you would have a significant bond allocation to reflect your timeline and your age. Yes, but things take a while to recover. You're assuming things, certain things go up and down in balance. That's not how things work all the time. That, Depends on how you're allocated. You, you cycle into lower volatility assets as you age and you rebalance yes. quarterly or annually or however periodically you choose to yes. in order to maintain that same balance. Yes, so but, that reduces the volatility within your portfolio. Well, it's not. It's really not that simple. It's really not, Paula. Um, <laughs> you, it's it's just not that simple. If it was that simple, nobody would lose money. You know, a lot of it has to do when you get in the market and when you leave the market, yeah, and when but, you exit the market. I mean, that makes a big difference on your overall returns over a long enough time. So line. I have but seen most Len- people. Oh, sorry, go ahead, Joe. This, <laughs> I've heard this is your show. No, that's okay. I, I I'm happy to sit back and listen to you guys because it's really interesting. <laughs> 
because there's pieces of both the arguments that I like. And while and I've seen those studies, I think the reason most people don't retire isn't because of the fact that, you know, they entered the market at exactly the wrong time and exited the market at exactly the wrong time. It's that they don't do the right thing. They don't save enough money, number one, and they don't leave their hand out of the cookie jar. I mean, study after study shows that while the stock market maybe does you know, 10.3%, I think was the number over the last 30 years. The average investor does about 1.3. And why? It's because they won't stop getting in, getting out, getting in, getting out. Okay. Well then buy and buy and hold. I mean, if that's, if that's your strategy, then by all means buy and hold. I just don't think buy and hold is necessarily, it's, it's not a guaranteed thing. I think it's better to have an exit strategy plan for all of your investments ahead of time. There are going to be times uh, when buy and hold will not work. Those times, you, past performance does not guarantee future results. So I, d- I, that, do, I do like the idea of having an exit strategy. And I think that especially for a nervous investor, I found the fact that we had an exit strategy to, you know, exit stage left at what they thought was the appropriate time was a good idea. But for me, that was more about their psyche and their ability to continue to invest than it was about the market. Because some people, man, they just wouldn't sleep at night and it would be, it would be really, really bad. But But, Joe, believe me, you've been through, you've been through some really tough bear markets. I don't, I don't think Paula has been through some really scary bear markets yet. Uh, 2008. Yeah. That one? No, like 2000. That was boosted by money printing. I mean, we're talking a, a real bear market. It's painful to sit and hold. A lot of people's psyche will be affected just by holding. Yeah. Okay. Well, that's it, the thing. Oh, is yeah, it, yeah. Nobody says it's easy. It's, right. You know, but, but it is the course of action to take. It is. And, it, and, and you guys are both right because, Len, you're right. It was 2000 to 2002, 36, um, nearly 36 months of straight down was absolutely horrible. And, that was horrendous. And, and being the financial advisor telling my client, we're hanging, we're hanging in there. We're hanging in there. And like my portfolio is through the floor and you're saying we hang it. That's all you got, Joe. And uh, I lost most of my hair during that period. <laughs> it was difficult. And it's funny hey. because the bad news is you don't know what's coming next. So what you're relying on is Paula's bedrock philosophy, right? This has worked long term. This is, will continue to work. Sure enough, by the way, Paula was right in the end. I mean, Paula was totally right. But living through that for three years, holy moly, was that tough. Let's just use a hypothetical, right? So let's say you had an exit strategy, though. Let's just say, okay, uh, maybe you don't agree with can it. I, can but let's I have say, a Brexit strategy? Sure, you have a Brexit strategy. You <laughs> say, hey, if my if my investments in a particular category lose, my stocks lose 15% or 10%, I'm out. I'm going to go to cash with those st- with my stocks. I'm going to hold cash until I think things settle down. You know, you, Len, you, quick question. Are we talking individual stocks or index funds? Um, Let's say index. Let's say index. Yeah. Yeah. So let's say, okay, my index funds have have dropped 10% and that's my extra. And I'm going to get out and go to cash until I think things have settled down because I'm afraid of, you know, I can't stomach it. I can't stomach watching my 401k opening my quarterly statement and and seeing I've lost another X dollars. So, you know, there's a case there where you could sit, go to cash and wait. Now, I know I realize you're, you're trying to time the market, but, you know, you do a little research and you can kind of pick and choose when you want to get back in where you're comfortable again. So, hey, and maybe it's if it's still going down, you lose another 10%, but maybe you didn't lose 40%. Everybody's different. But Let me tell you what or you Or maybe you turn paper losses into real losses and then miss out on the recovery and end up with a lower net worth. Yeah, well, now hold on. When things start going on, you can still, you're not going to get right at the bottom, right? Maybe you see, wait for things to turn around and maybe you miss the first 1% up or 2% up or 3%. But, you know, things will continue going, right? When did the market turn here in 2010, right? Or 20... When did it bottom? 2009, March? 2009, that's correct. Yeah. March of 2009, yeah. Okay, so let's say you missed the first 10% up. Hasn't the market, and I don't know, I can't remember what the number is. What, how, how far has the market gone up since then? Over the, 100%, the, right? D- the difficult thing that I saw, and it's funny because, Len, it's funny. I've heard this in theory over and over and over. Of course, it's the right way to go in theory. Here's what happened to me in 2000 to 2002. I would set a stop loss of 15%. The stop loss would hit. Then we're in cash, and then we're in cash for three months, four months. And the longer we're in cash, knowing that the market goes up 70% of the time, the more hairy both me and my client are, right? Because we know we're in a place we can't, we can't win with cash. We can avoid losing with cash, but we can't win. So we know we have to make a move. We have to call our shot. So at some point, 
we called our shot and guess what happened? We'd set another stop loss and then the market continues to go down and we lose more money. Now, like you would say, we didn't lose all the money like we would have if we bought and hold, but we still lost a bunch of money. What was worse though, was that my client now has had it happen twice. And then when the market, then the third time finally turns the corner Feels like, and by the way, the whole idea feels like it's coming back. When you've been beaten with a baseball bat for three years nonstop, you don't see it coming back. You think that every gain is a false gain. I mean, I remember July of that year when the market finally started coming back in 2002. Uh, I thought it was false. I had no idea the market was going to come back. I had no idea how fast the market, by the way, would start roaring back. And what was frustrating was, was that because I've been beaten for so long, all of these cues that during most markets, I think that I might pick up, eh, I probably wouldn't pick up. Uh, you know, th there was no chance I was going to pick it up. I was too gun shy by that point because well, I've been I beaten so much. Yeah, I know what you're saying, Joe. I mean, right? What's the saying? Bull markets climb a wall of worry, right? Right. So, I mean, it's it's um, maybe it takes practice. I mean, it's it's easy to sit here and say buy and hold, and and, and I'm not Paula. It's a it's a good strategy for a lot of people, but in practice, when the rubber hits the road, let me tell you something. Uh, there's a lot of people I'm sure listening right now. They've never even they haven't even experienced this a, a true ugly, yucky, bear market that's going to really try your convictions. It's going to really well, test your mettle. Not only well, that, if, not only that, If Len, that were the case, then wouldn't the objective be to strengthen your convictions? And like, wouldn't the, the work that you do from this point forward be to, you know, visualize that happening, strength, like read books that reinforce your conviction, you know, just work sure. on strengthening yeah. your conviction such that you can remove that human element unsubscribe from your quarterly statements if that's what it takes <laughs> turn off the you know turn off the television yeah that, uh, i remember doing that i remember doing that not opening my statements before <laughs> <laughs> Plus all these bills I get, I've never opened them. <laughs> Maybe I should start yeah, opening let, those. Let me just tell you, because the let's take look precious metals. That for the last five years has been in a horrendous, horrendous bear market. I mean, you talk about ugly. It's been almost a fifty percent retracement until the beginning of this year, and now things have just turned around. But I've been holding all the way through and buying and dollar cost averaging down, and that's. My, it tested my metal. <laughs> it really did. Yeah. Um, but but it's like I said, it's, it's just you're right, Paul. It's strength that can be, you've got to research. You've got to be confident in what you're doing and and know that you're making the right moves. That's and I think what it comes so. down to, Len, if you're gonna if you're gonna do when you said, you know, it takes some research, it takes some data. I think you have to pick a data set that you're gonna run with and turn what you're talking about more into an algorithm. Where if these yeah. if these data points historically fire then it's time for me to set the stop loss. And if those same data points fire again, like I think you have to apply some science to what you're talking about. I find mm -hmm. too many people don't apply any science to that. They want to go the gut feeling of, well, I feel like it's turned around now. N yeah, you're never going to feel that way. You're just... Yeah, and, and, and I don't want to get technical. I mean, uh, Joe and maybe Paula, maybe you both know what I'm... But if you do any technical analysis of watching the stock markets, I mean, that's what it really takes, especially on a bear market is turned around. If you know a little technical analysis and, and start charting and knowing how to read the charts, it, it kind of helps boost your confidence and boost your convictions. But again, that takes research. So I know it's difficult. If you're not willing to do the research, then probably buy and hold the way to go. Absolutely. Lutely. But if not, yeah, but I just you, want to you're be... not going to do the research. Have an exit strategy. You'll feel yeah. better yourself. I think you'll I think you'll do better. You'll feel better. You'll sleep better. I just want to be clear for a second about what you're talking about, about an exit strategy. Because by exit strategy, what you mean is actually applying data, which is different than when I was in the trenches with clients. A lot of people thought an exit strategy was when I feel bad, we get out. That you're not talking about that at all. No, 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 no. You're right. That's right, Joe. Yeah, Correct. yeah. It is much, much more scientific. So I want. And don't listen to me. I'm not a perfect Joe. You're you, you help people. You have a training in this stuff. You know, I'm just me. I'm just. All I have is the school of hard knocks and, and 30 years of this. So, um, but, but, but no, but I don't mean that flippantly. What I mean is I'm still not an expert. So all I can do is go by all the mistakes I've made in the past. And that's all. I am not trained an yeah, investment but, advisor. Or anything, yeah, but so. still, Len, with your engineering background, you're going to apply numbers and science. And I just want people hearing this podcast to know that when you talk about doing some research, you're not talking about your gut.
I love it when our round table gets a little feisty. You can tell we haven't been together in a while. It's good. Hey, got to say, I'm loving the emails from the people who've gone to stackingbenjamins.com forward slash magnify money because as reader Jason just told me this last week, he said that he found a much better credit card by going to magnify money. Stackybedgements.com forward slash magnify money. He went with a 2% cash back card, which Nick over at magnify money says, if you can find 2% cash back, that's the primo. Hard to find a card that uh, offers more than that because of the way that that whole system's set up. So stackybedgements.com forward slash magnify money, whether it's for your checking account, your savings account, or your debt products, why not have the best ones of those and then create the best strategy using the best tools. Doesn't that make sense? All right. That's that. We are now going to (laughs) have a fantastic discussion with Kyle Robertson from Lemon. He is the co-creator of the app Lemon. So let's find out what Lemon's all about. Kyle Robertson joins us in the basement. Welcome, man. Thanks very much. I appreciate you having me. Well, I'm glad on your world tour telling everybody about Lemon, which is now in beta, that you could stop on the Texas-Arkansas border. Uh, well, it's my favorite state, uh, Texas-Arkansas. I'm still yet to uh, do a lot of exploration, but I'm I'm happy to be here. I got to tell you, the, the Ozark Mountains are phenomenal. I don't know. Apparently, you're from Australia, which means that maybe there's some mountains in the outback somewhere. I don't know. Uh, yeah, I'm surprised you can even understand me uh, right now, but I am from down under, born and raised, but I've been uh, reformed a bit. I've been in the U.S. for 10 years now, so it's taken off some of the, the hard edges. I have to tell you, though, so I had a roommate in college, Kyle, that was from Brisbane. Whenever- Brisbane, I think you mean, right? <laughs> right, that's right. Whenever, whenever, I'm sorry, I didn't put the American polish on that, right? Yeah. So, So whenever we had women over, like he would lay that accent on so damn thick. It was just, it was pathetic really, but they bought it and it drove me crazy. Do you do that? You know what? I, I might, uh, I might, it might get a little thicker at the bar. That's for sure. (laughs) Absolutely. Well, we're not here to talk about your pickup lines. We need to talk about your product. So you have a partner on this, on, on lemon, but where were you guys when you created this? Like what was the problem you were trying to solve? Well, it comes from personal experience, really. Um, you know, we're both uh, in our mid-30s and sort of struggling with our personal finances. with something that's really not uh, taught in school. And, um, you know, unless you have parents that teach you it, like you kind of learn the hard way. And we've definitely made a lot of mistakes. We've both had good jobs. Uh, my partner, uh, Byron Sorrells, is a, a senior engineer at Twitter. So it wasn't on a bad wicket. But, you know, after a decade of working or two decades, it's, you know, we don't have a lot to show for it. <laughs> but, but so lemon though takes what you do have and it and it makes it so you can show for it because it feels to me and tell me if I'm wrong here it feels to me to be like mint on steroids would you call that accurate yeah well so lemon is actually a mashup of learn and money and the secret mission behind lemon is to improve financial literacy so the problem we saw in the world is that people make poor financial choices and they don't really know much about money uh, so we initially started as a Duolingo for personal finance. So basically, uh, we produced a lesson plan to sort of take you through some some 101s of financial literacy. I was actually a psych major in university, and and Byron and I got a little like quite a way down the road with it. And, you know, spent eight months, and I was like, this people are going to do this. They're going to learn it, but are they actually going to change? You know, is it? We've got to do more. We've got to actually do something for someone and not just say, like, lecture them on what to do. Uh, and so that's sort of where the current iteration of, of Lemon came about is we actually do as much as possible for you and secretly teach you about finance without you really even knowing. Let's talk about, exactly. So if, yeah, yeah, let's talk about how it's laid out, Kyle, so people can kind of get a visual. So when okay. I put Lemon on my phone, what am I going to see? It's a really simple app. So we have two things. We have a feed, which is sort of a Facebook wall, like Twitter, um, Twitter feed of your transactions and various notifications that help you optimize your finance. And then we have a second page, which is just a snapshot of all your accounts. It shows your balances and your net worth. Super simple. All the magic that happens in Lemon and the reason why it's different from what's out there, um, you know, Mint or Prosper Daily, there's numerous other, um, you know, personal finance apps, 
is what happens in the background. So we have, right now we've got dozens of message types, but we're looking at building hundreds, even thousands, and it's all personalized. So we look at how you're spending your money, where you're spending it, where you get bank fees, and we send out notifications depending on what you're doing. So it's automated, it's personalized, and it's actionable. So we want to do as much as like, if we can get a bank fee refunded for you, we'll do it. If we let you, if we can let you cancel a subscription that you, that's getting billed and you don't need it, we'll do that for you. Yeah. I'm seeing it actually right on your front page at uh, lemon.co, a notification shows up here that says you're using 90% of your available credit. See how this affects your credit score. I'm assuming that I click and then there's a, there's some type of lesson there about how I'm negatively affected. Yeah, well, so that one is actually really interesting. I mean, I personally use Mint as well just to sort of see what they're doing. I got a notification saying that my you know credit utilization was high. And in the bottom of the email that Mint sent me was a was an application to sign up for a credit card. Right. Now, <laughs> now, you know, that really isn't offering me any like helpful advice. Like the last thing I need is another credit card. What I need is to reduce my expenses, to cancel any subscriptions that I need and to increase my income. And so our mission is to do everything possible to help people rather than just profit off them. So you know, one of our missions is to always have the user's interest first. Let me give people a couple more of these uh, because I find these these alerts in the screens fascinating. The second one that I see down here as I scroll down is frequent spending. And it shows that I spend money at Amazon, Whole Foods, and MTA. And it shows this month versus last month. So I can kind of look at longer term trends also. Yeah. And we also aggregate. So like things like taxis, you know, if you use Lyft, if you use uh, Uber, and then also regular taxi services, we don't separate them. We can bundle them into one thing, which is, uh, you know, taxis so that you can sort of see your month of a month spending on a category as, as a whole, just to give you a picture. And, and that's automated. You don't have to go through, um, you know, Mint makes you uh, categorize every transaction. Um, you know, we, we wanted to remove that. So there isn't any of that uh, tedious work every week required to, you know, to, for the budgeting. So I'm assuming then that I give you permission to go into my bank accounts and my credit cards and then look at how I spend money? Yeah. On a technical level, we use a third-party aggregator, which is the same one that everyone else uses. Uh, actually, we use two. There's uh, Yodley and Plaid, and they connect uh, to your bank accounts and give us a feed of your transactions. So it's read-only when you make a purchase on your card, it comes to us in the next, in a couple of hours, and then we show it to you on your screen. You also, how are you able to see upcoming fees? Because you've got on here, Spotify is going to charge, they're going to charge me $10 seven days from now. How do you see that? So that's just a, a bit of uh, machine learning. So we analyze uh, previous transactions and when there's a, a fee for, from the same uh, merchant at a particular date and same amount, we know that that's a recurring charge. Is there going to be a fee for Lemon when it comes out? No, uh, Lemon will be always free. Always free for clients. It will never be a charge. How do you guys make money then? Well, right now we do not have any uh, money-making things in the app. We can help people by offering them products that will uh, reduce their bank fees. One of them is there's plenty of people we see who are paying ATM fees right. uh, a lot. You know, They just don't even think about it that each time... They go to another ATM. It actually costs them four dollars fifty or or five dollars right. the ATM. You withdraw it from, charges you three dollars, and then your bank charges you. So we can refer them to uh, Charles Schwab, which has no no fees. So that's just uh, you know there's, there's plenty of opportunities for that. It's not our primary focus, but that you know that's that's one way we can make money and yet still help people. Got it. So in that way, it, it is much like Mint, where you can refer stuff. Except yours might make a little more sense than signing somebody up for a credit card so they can have more credit available. <laughs> so their <laughs> utilization goes down. Yeah, yeah. Mint. Uh, <laughs> their mission, I think, is to have everyone in the world uh, with at least ten credit cards. And- <laughs> right. Right. And then it's not enough, right? No. That's great. So you guys are in beta now. Can I get the app? Can people try it out? Yeah. So it's live in the app store. Um, We've got some really exciting stuff that's coming out. So two days from now, we're going to have the web version uh, fully available and live in English and Spanish, which uh, no one else is doing. So we've built it, uh, supports multiple languages, and we've done our first translation into Spanish. Uh, Android, uh, we are launching on July 26th. So Excellent. And actually, have- actually, you know what, Kyle? Uh, when this comes out, and this gives a little bit of our secret away, uh, that will be live because this is going to come out uh, in August. Oh, that is, that's great then. Yeah. We'll, uh, so congratulations we'll... on having launched that. How about that? <laughs> it was hard work. You know, we look back and we're like, geez, 
That was some rough times, but we, we stayed up, burnt the midnight oil and, and got it done. Excellent. So when this comes out available on Android in the App Store and it's completely free. Yep. How much longer do you think that the product's going to be in beta? Uh, well, the actual app itself isn't terribly complicated. You know, it's the back end, the messaging that takes a long time. So we've got most of the bugs, almost all of the bugs out of the app itself. But right now, the usefulness of it is only going to increase. As soon, you know, adding those, those rules, those conditions. One of the things we want to do is if people have a pending charge, that, a draft on their checking account that's going to um, overdraft their account, we can send people a notice. Like you know, we haven't wow. built that out yet, but that's something we want to do. There's so many, so many uh, features that we want to add, but we just don't want people to walk in, try it out once with the expectations that, oh, this is a finished product um, and not be too impressed. So that's why we've got the beta thing there. Man, that's exciting. Too bad you got nothing going on, Kyle. <laughs> <laughs> well, thanks for hanging out and explaining it to us. The app is called Lemon. It's found at lemon.co. And actually, really, it's found in the App Store or the Android Store. Yep, uh, Google Play still. Yes, Google That's Play. Really cool. uh, you can tell which one I use. <laughs> thanks for hanging out, man. But yeah, thanks very much, Joe. Let's spend just a second on our second article because we're not going to even need much time on this. Uh, this is from, and, and I'm glad. I would rather dig deep like we just did. That was, I think, time well spent. Investopedia is this one, not by our friend Greg McFarlane, who unfortunately is AOL today, but the- uh, He's AOL? AOL. <laughs> he, he, he's he, a 1990s internet company. He, he is. Greg's got mail. <laughs> yeah, he's AWOL. Oh my goodness, you can you can tell. <laughs> he's AOL. That's good. The hidden danger. That is really good. The hidden danger of leveraged ETFs. We got to tell him that that he's AOL by Dan Moskowitz, not by Greg McFarlane, who also writes for Investopedia. Leveraged ETFs, Len. So these are exchange-traded funds that take a position like the stock market's going to go up or the stock market's going to go down, and they 2X them or they 3X them. So, baby, if you think it's going to go up, it's going to go up fast, or if you think it's going to go down, it's going to go down fast. This for the everyday guy? Oh, no, absolutely, positively not. This is for day traders as far as I'm concerned. And, again, I'll go back to this, what I was saying, technical. This, this is the, the weenies, the technical weenies who look at charts every day. You have to be watching this almost on an hourly basis. You have to be looking at these various markets because any small move, if something's leveraged 10 times, right, if something goes up, you know, your losses are magnified either 10 times or your gains are magnified 10 times. And so the slightest movements in a market can really wipe you out is just as easily as it can make you rich. And if you're not going to be watching this stuff on a daily, uh, hourly basis, this is nitroglycerin in a, in a little bottle, let me tell you. I'd stay away from them. Yeah, Paula? I agree. I mean, leverage is a lever, so it exacerbates both the gains and the losses. And some people are so driven by, like, reward? Did you say reward? That it's easy for them to overlook the alternate side of that same equation, which is you can really leverage yourself into zero very, very quickly. Right. And the other thing is- Leverage yourself as, right out of money. Exactly. Yes. Exactly. And that's what this article points out. I think they made a great analogy when they said, at a casino, at a roulette table, for example, the house, even if the house has a long losing streak, even if it has a long cold streak, the house is never going to run out of money. You will. And that holds true for any individual investor who wants to go into any type of leveraged stock investing, whether it's a leveraged ETF or I would argue even buying uh, stocks on margin. That leverage gets very, very risky. And eventually, because you're not made of unlimited or functionally unlimited capital the way that a casino is, eventually a cold streak means that you're done. Yeah, it's incredibly difficult. The frustrating thing I have, Len, when we talk about leverage ETFs is that leverage ETFs, most of them reset every single day, meaning that the market has to go down every day for you to keep going. It, it, it isn't like a S&P 500 where you get whatever the return was. It's going to be based on that day and then it's going to reset and then it's going to. So you have to have a lot of down days in a row for a bear ETF like 2X or 3X bear ETF to actually work. Yeah, I don't even want to get into this just because it's it's so ridiculous. I, I don't think any of your listeners, Joe, most 99% probably this is just lightning in a bottle. It's don't be tempted by get rich quick. 
the risk of loss is greater than the risk of winning, in my opinion. It's not it's not a 50-50 bet even. And that's so, actually uh, the— And get used to the two words for you, margin call. You'll, <laughs> you'll get to know that term really quickly right, right. Uh, if you try this stuff. So, Leverage ETFs on margin, that's a, that's a stiff <laughs> trick right there. Holy cow. You know, actually, Paula, that's the reason I brought up this article is because with the market for a lot of people seeming shaky, you're starting to see some of these weird strategies. And it seems like when you get a long bull run like we've had, right, for a long time, people people start giving you some wacky, wacky stuff. We, we actually, I talked to a guy recently who was angry at financial advisors because they use 10% as a number. And the guy, and this guy, by the way, has only been in business since 2009, which which lend to your point earlier, you know, talking about not being through some of the fires before guys like, I'm, you know, I'm doing 38%. I can't believe these, these financial advisors are idiots. They're talking about 10%. You can kill 10%. <laughs> <sighs> hey, some bad things happen. What happened in 87? Joe, was it, was it um, now I was in college then. So that was a flash. So, that was Black no, Monday. But, but yeah. wasn't that, wasn't that like a 20% drop in one day or something like that? I mean, wasn't it something ridiculous before they have, now they have circuit breakers. So I don't think that can happen. But. Oh, it was horrible. You lost tons of money. And what's funny about that is that my father-in-law uh, heard about it that day, right? Heard about it that day, knew the market was going down and called his broker and his broker. And that's, you know, there's a difference between a broker and advisor. This guy was just an order taker. He told his broker to sell everything. Broker sold everything. If you know how mutual funds work, they don't sell until the end of the day. Yeah. So he oh. could, right, right. He completely locked in the bottom. And then if oh, you followed 1987, God. it came back very fast. Very my, fast. My father-in-law lost almost half of his portfolio in in a in a oh. blink of an eye with one bad decision. Oh, wow. my God. Well, yeah. Okay, so that's another point. You've got to understand what you're doing, right? You have to understand how all your investments work always, right? I yeah. mean, it's just wow. and that's and that's really if you're going to have an advisor, that's what an advisor should do is help you with that education. If you ever have an advisor that tells you that they're just going to take it and do magic, uh, then you know you know you're working with the wrong person. Yeah, yeah, it's it's tough stuff. But uh, but, but Paul, have you seen any of these wacky strategies I was just talking about? Oh, wacky, wacky money-making strategies? Yeah, like these people saying, hey, we've had a bull market forever and it, it can never go down. Oh, yeah. So unfortunately, a bull market makes many people feel like a genius. You know, when you're in a situation where you can throw a dart at a list of stocks and invest in it and, and get returns, people become overconfident. What's the statistic? Like some vast majority of people believe that they are above average. Right, right. right. A, a percentage, by definition, only 50% of people can be above average, but, you know, some far greater than 50% of people believe that they are above average at various tasks like driving or whatnot. You know, the same can happen in a bull market. If people have a small sample size of a hot streak, they attribute that to their own genius. And sometimes it takes a 2008 crash to remind them otherwise. So... Yeah. yeah, that's happening now. It's going to happen in every bull market, and that's human nature, unfortunately. Yeah, don't get that's caught. That's why there are podcasts like this to, uh, <laughs> to educate. <laughs> don't get caught in that vortex, I think, is a great place to leave it. You know what? We are not going to do this third thing because I'm looking at the clock, and, and we we did a great job on those two. I, I yeah. love that discussion today. Man, the, we had no rust here, huh? We haven't done this in a little while. We've had no <laughs> rust. You're back on it. We didn't even need Greg. Yeah, a little, a little uh, differing opinions is always good for conversation. Don't it's you think? a better roundtable so, that way. I yeah, think. it sure is. As yeah. long as you guys recognize that I'm always right, and you guys can be right <laughs> sometimes. Say, and I'm not going to be speaking to Paula now for, for a day or two. <laughs> well, Paula, let's go, Man, ladies. You said I could live in your underground bunker. <laughs> any, you've got the, you've got any, an open invitation, Paula. Aww. Yeah, but I can see lead on that day. Should have built your own. <laughs> You wouldn't even want to be in that bunker because that's all Lim would say the entire time. He'd sit across the table from you as the world is ending and just stare at you going, should have built your own. Oh, yeah, I know. I'd be like, you know what? I'll just take the nuclear annihilation. That's right. Just get me out of here. I think it's it's better to be dead, right? Paula, let's go ladies first. What's happening at Afford Anything? At affordanything.com. Probably by the time the show airs, I will have published my latest income report, which discloses exactly how much money I have earned and spent in the course of me being a rental property investor. So Woo-hoo. if you want some financial voyeurism, you can check out affordanything.com. 
on the Afford Anything podcast, I have an interview with Chris Gillibo, who is the New York Times bestselling author of four books, including The Art of Nonconformity and the founder of the Royal Domination Summit. And I also have Laura Vanderkam, who I believe has been on the show. Yes, Joe? We are huge fans of Laura. She's been on twice. We love her so much. Nice. Yeah, I've I've got a great interview with her. And coming up on future episodes, you're going to hear from a lot of other authors like Cal Newport, Gene Chatsky, and many, many more. That is awesome. And Len Penzo, what's happening after post-sandwich survey? By the way, great, great episode. That was so fun to talk about, especially the cheese sandwich. Yes. And I always love coming to the basement, Joe, and talking sandwiches with you. Just, just as an aside, and we have to say this because we talked about it earlier in the week on the show. Uh, remember how you said that, that people would write you about the condiments on the sandwich and how you were using the wrong condiment on the sandwich? Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. We got a one-star review for this show by, oh, no. <laughs> by somebody who was upset very upset that the cheese sandwich was in your survey. I'm sorry, Joe. I don't mean to ruin your Yelp, I thought uh, it was your hol- Yelp reviews uh, scores. But, uh, <laughs> I thought it was hilarious. Just pretend it's grilled cheese. It's the same I know, thing. I, I thought it was hilarious. I'm like, man, now I'm spinning into your vortex of, I'm not eating that cheese sandwich. I'm not feeding that I, to my kids. I got uh, one email so far and uh, an actual comment. Somebody left a comment. They complained about the jelly. I, I use strawberry jelly. And I think we talked about it on your- We uh, did. It happens every year. I Somebody told you. you. Or you did. Somebody always comes. So I got two complaints already on this, this one, on the strawberry <laughs> jelly. And then somebody complained about where was corned beef? Why didn't I have corned beef sandwich on the survey? Oh. So, um, <laughs> You can't make everybody happy, man. No, you can't. I really, I love one-star reviews because it teaches me like what, and by the way, if you're listening to this, do not send me a one-star review. Write to me and tell me what you don't like about the show. But I do try to take them to heart. You know what I mean? If somebody's upset enough, they're going to leave me a one-star review. Just like if you write me and tell me what you think's wrong with the show, I'm going to listen to you and I'm going to see, but really, you're complaining about the cheese sandwich. Well, I oh. invite whoever wrote that. It's probably never going to listen to you again, Joe. But but if they are listening, send me an email, please. And maybe <laughs> uh, <laughs> you can write me a letter and we can talk about it. Okay. Oh, but, but, but the cheese sandwich will be there next year, too. Yeah. But what else is happening at Lempenzo.com? I talk about the importance of household strategic plans and how to how to write one, what's in them. Uh, and how to use it to your advantage in your personal finance, uh, improve your personal finances. So Awesome. Uh, and we'll link to Lempenzo.com. Yes, sir. And we'll link to that. We'll also link to Paula's amazing Afford Anything blog and podcast in the show notes. Thank you. We'll see you guys uh, next week. See you then. Great. I hope you're not as combative next time, Paula. Uh, ditto to you, Mr. <laughs> Len. <laughs> Oh, and that's it, everybody. Hey, guess what? We've been playing a game on our shows, and unfortunately, I am not ready to release the new game. Uh, we thought we'd be ready today, but we are not. It's going to be another fun one like the one we just did. I do have some other good news. On Monday's show, though, Monday's show, we're going to cut. I, I cut the list to 12 people who answered. So you're going to hear the 12 semifinalists. And then OG is going to pick his favorite four. So we'll go to four, and then we will have you vote on those four. So if you are playing, or even if you're not playing, on Monday's show, we're going to have the semifinal round of Julie's numbers competition. If you're new to the show, we just finished a fun game where we did the biggest numbers coincidences. Thanks to listener Julie for that one. We're going to have another contest coming up starting next Friday. That will start next Friday. And I'm excited about it. Just not ready to go. Hey, thanks to everybody also who nominated us for a Plutus Award. That was fantastic. If you've reviewed this show or you reviewed the Green Room podcast, thank you for those reviews. Those help us find new listeners. We really appreciate that. And uh, I will be in San Diego coming up near the end of September. So if you're in the San Diego area, listen to some upcoming shows because our friend Jason Vitug, who had me come speak at an event that he had called the Road to Financial Wellness in Chicago, I just found out I will also be speaking 
in San Diego, and it's going to be pretty close to the same speech. He said he wants me to talk about the same thing. And for those of you that were in Chicago, you know what I talked about. And, um, yeah, it's a great story about Joe being an idiot. Uh, and we got some good laughs and had some fun, which is the Stacky Benjamin's way to do things, isn't it? And actually, I have that date. There'll be more details, but it's Wednesday, the 21st of September. I will be there. Uh, I'll also be in Lake Tahoe the 2nd through the 4th of September. Uh, I think I'm going to try to meet listener April when I'm there. April is a bartender in that area. So if you say you're a bartender, I'm very happy to, to go. That sounds like I need a 12-step program, doesn't it? I'm not that happy, but but it, that sounds like fun. And then uh, just found out from our listener, Jen, that uh, she is going to be running, she and her fiancé, Marty, are going to be running the same marathon that Cheryl and I are going to be running in Maine. And so I'll be in Bahaba, Maine. I, I can't do that accent, but Bar, I'll be in Bahaba, Maine, the 13th, 14th, 15th, 16th of October. So if you're also running the Desert Island Marathon, uh, let me know. And you know what? We can get a bigger table and we'll carb load the day before the marathon. So that'll be fun. All right. That's that. Thanks for all the letters. Thanks for the reviews. Guys, thanks for listening. It's been, it's so fun making these shows. Making it's fun. Talking to you is even more fun. So thanks a lot and go stack some Benjamins this weekend. Remember, Green Room Podcast tomorrow also. And that's another podcast free wherever you get your podcast. Just put in Green Room Stacking Benjamins and you'll find it. All right. Take care. Bye bye. <laughs> This show is the property of the Free Financial Advisor, LLC. The show was created by Joe Salcihai, produced by Richie Rutter-Reese, and edited and engineered by the amazing Steve Stewart. Special thanks to Kyle Robertson of Lemon.co. Find out more about them at Lemon.co. Len Penzo appears courtesy of the cryptically named LenPenzo.com. Paula Pant appears courtesy of affordanything.com. Special thanks to Joe's mom for offering to take us to the beach, but I forgot my Speedo. Well, stackers, the show might be over, but the celebrations are just beginning because it is Military Appreciation Month that I want to celebrate people like my brother-in-law, Eric, who is such a giving person. Eric will do just anything for you. And as a Marine, you can see that his time in the military taught him to be a guy who gives to his community, gives to his family, and is always there when you need them. This Military Appreciation Month, Navy Federal Credit Union wants to celebrate members like Eric who go above and beyond. Navy Federal offers member-only exclusive rates, discounts, and tools to empower their members and help them reach their goals. Navy Federal's employees are part of the community they serve. Many of them are military family members, reservists, or veterans, and all branches of the military, veterans, DOD employees, and their families are eligible for Navy Federal membership. In fact, there are so many resources on the Navy Federal website, resources like Best Cities After Service to help veterans transition to civilian life and Best Careers for Military Spouses to support military families. Visit NavyFederal.org celebrate and you'll see all of their Military Appreciation Month offers and other Navy Federal offers. Navy Federal is insured by NCUA, Equal Housing Lender.